Well, we're going to be in the Gospel of John for quite a while here. We started uh, two weeks ago, and we'll continue on now. So introductions are really, really important. Uh, when I was being taught about preaching, uh, that was one of the first things they said is that the introduction is one of the most important things because you're introducing a subject, but you want to introduce that subject in a way that people want to know more. They want to hear about it. If you're introduced to a person or if you introduce a person, then you introduce them in a way that someone would want to know them. Uh, I spoke at uh, Life Bible College, gosh, it's been 20 years ago probably now, and uh, my friend Ron Mell introduced me. He was the college president at that time. I don't remember what he said in the introduction. I don't usually pay attention to those. If you're being introduced, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't want to really listen to what they're saying. But uh, after the meeting, we went to a restaurant. We were with Mr. and Mrs. Cadnaw. They were the owners of Alpenrose Dairy in Portland, Oregon. And they also were significant owners in Baskin Robbins. So she always carried a purse full of Baskin Robbins gift certificates, 50 cent gift certificates. And that night, she reached in her purse and she grabbed a wad of those gift certificates and she handed them to this little boy behind us. I mean, there was a fistful of them. And man, he went crazy. His eyes lit up for that. But she said to me, she said, golly, she said, the way Ron introduced you, I'm just glad you didn't screw it up. <laughs> I said, well, I am too. <laughs> Apparently he said, said some nice, nice things. Interestingly, in this first section of the Gospel of John, uh, John the Baptist introduces Jesus. That was his role in life was that he was to introduce Jesus. So... I want to read in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, if you want to follow along with me. Now this was John's testimony. When the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. Now isn't that interesting? They said, who are you? And he said, I'm not the Christ. They told him who he wasn't, not who he was. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. So now think about this. They have been looking forward for the coming of the Christ for 400 years now. And John is out in the wilderness preaching, and they don't know who he is. Why are you out here? Why are you preaching? There were lots of crowds gathering, so it was a threat to them. And he says, he quotes a Bible verse and says, that Bible verse right there, that's what's being fulfilled through me. That would be quite a statement to make about yourself. Now some Pharisees who had been, who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, 
the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. So they come out and they say, who are you? And he tells them who he's not. Now, if you introduce someone, let's say, gosh, uh, let's see. All right, Mike, why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand up? You love me, right? Okay. Now, why don't you come, come right up here? Now, I always give young people a bad time because they usually make bad choices about who they're going to marry. So I always tell them, hey, I can do much better than you can. So what if I said, I want you to meet Mike. Mike is your future husband. <laughs> so... We're pretending, of course. So if I, <laughs> if I introduce you, you watch yourself after the service now, Mike. <laughs> His nickname is Frog, by the way. That introduce him a little further. So if you introduce someone and they meet, then what do you do? You walk away. Now my job is done. I wouldn't say that's your future husband. I'd say, I want you to meet Mike. And then the rest is up to you two. I'm out of the picture now. Okay, thank you. You can be seated. That's what John did. John introduced Jesus. And pretty soon more people were following Jesus than were following John. And somebody came to him and said, you know that guy you, you, know that guy you baptized? He's got more followers than you do. And John said, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the idea. He must increase... I must decrease. So he did his job in introducing Jesus to people, and then he steps back, and it's up, it's up to them then. I would say the same thing as a pastor. When I ask people to raise their hand, you're receiving Jesus today, and you say, yes, I'm receiving Jesus today, then I've done my job. The rest is going to be between you and Jesus. So listen to these words from Isaiah that he quoted. A voice of one calling, in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground became, shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. So he's quoting that verse and saying, you're seeing that fulfilled now. So really, when he says he didn't know Jesus originally, he didn't know who he was. He didn't know who he really was. Actually, John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. So there's no question but what he would have known uh, Jesus. John, John the Baptist would know Jesus and, and vice versa. But he didn't really know who he, who he was until the Father had told him ahead of time, he said, there's going to be one where the Holy Spirit comes and rests on him stays. That is the Messiah. That's the one that you're to introduce. So, so he might have been a little bit surprised even the first time when the Holy Spirit came and rested on Jesus. Oh, that's my cousin. I know him. He's the Messiah? But that was the affirmation that the Father gave him that he would be doing the right thing. So he says, I want you to meet Jesus. 
I'm not him. That's him standing right over there. Now, there are several different levels of knowing someone. I don't know if you've ever thought of this or not, but if, if you'd say, if I would say, do you know Jimmy Carter? I'd say, do you know Jimmy Carter? I'd say, yeah. In other words, you've heard of him. So, yeah, I've, I've heard of him, but I've never met him, you might say. So if you know someone, you know of them, but you don't know them personally yet. The second way that we know someone is that we recognize them. So if I, if I, if I would say, do you know Jimmy Carter? And you say, yeah, that's a picture of him right there, or that's him right there. Then that would be recognize him, recognizing him. When Ginger and I were in a theater in New York a few years ago, waiting for the play to start, uh, there was this guy walking up and down the aisles, greeting people, talking to people. I said, Ginger, look at that guy. He's the guy that's unlost. So I'd never met him, but I recognized him. I knew him in the sense that I would recognize him. The third level of knowing is, is to meet someone. So you could hear about them, you could recognize them, but then you meet them, then that would be a different level of knowing someone. Now, I was a Dallas Cowboy fan for years and years and years and years when Tom Landry was the quarterback, or was the coach. And uh, he came to Billings. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes brought him to Billings. I couldn't wait. I paid money to go and, to go and meet him. There was this pre-meeting where you got to have your picture taken with him. So Ginger and I went up on this little platform and, and met him, and, and he actually paid more attention to Ginger than he did to me. I, I didn't think that was right. She wasn't a fan. I was the fan. But now, if you'd have said, do you know Tom Lander? I would have said, yes. I've heard of him. Do you know him? You've seen him. Yeah, that's him right over there. Do you know him? Have you met him? Yes. Now I've met him. Then the fourth level of knowing someone would be that you know them personally. So Judy Martz, who was the, the governor of Montana, a number of years ago, and I were, were friends, not close friends, but we were, we'd been, we were together several times. And I used to fly up to Helena every, every month, once a month, to meet with her. And we'd go over to the governor, governor's mansion, and there were a couple of other guys there, and we'd pray together. And <clears throat> if there was something that I felt like I was supposed to pray for her about or talk to her about, then I would I'd do that. But we, we talked quite a bit. So now it wasn't just that I, you know, Judy March, yeah, I, yeah, I've heard of her. I, I know the name. Not just, yeah, I recognize her, that's, that's her over there. Not just, yeah, I met her. But now you know someone in the sense that you actually have had a relationship and you know something about them. And then the last level would be that you know somebody well enough to introduce them to somebody else. So now think about this. If, if I ask you, do you know Jesus? There's not anybody who would say, no. I've heard about him. Everybody's heard about him. Do you recognize him? Yeah, I think I recognize him, who he is. Have you ever been introduced to him? That's a whole different level of knowing. So most people say they know Jesus in the sense that they've been introduced to him. Yeah, I raised my hand. I committed my life to Christ. I went forward in church. I knelt and prayed, 
and I gave my life I gave my life to Christ, but do you know him? Have you had conversations with him? Do you talk to him? Do you know things about him? Does he does he know you? There's one scripture in Matthew, I think it's in the seventh chapter, where it says that the Lord will say to some people, I never knew you. Golly, that's a scary thought, isn't it? What's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that I never got to know you. You didn't talk to me. You didn't share your life with me. You didn't walk with me. You didn't, you didn't share, your, share your life with me, and you didn't let me share my life with you. That's a whole different kind of knowing. So this morning I'd like to introduce you to Jesus, the way John did. First of all, he said, Jesus, he is the Lamb of God. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So when he calls, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. What did he mean by that? What he meant by that was, I always think of, of either the Passover or the Day of Atonement. On the Passover, they were in Egypt, they were in slavery, and they were, God was about to deliver his people, so he said, the destroyer is going to pass through the land tonight and take the firstborn of everyone. Everyone, including animals. So this is, this is how I'm going to protect you. And he said, they had a, a one-year-old lamb that they raised in their home. You know, they, never, they, they always say, never name Never name the ca the calf. Never name the sheep. Well, they probably had. So they love this lamb. He said, I want you to slit the throat of the throat of this lamb, and I want you to gather the blood. This is so cool, I think. And he says, I want you to take the blood and sp sprinkle it on each side of the doorpost and on the top of the doorpost, on the top of the doorway. And when the destroyer pa passes through the land, this is cool. When the destroyer passes through land, it says, I will pass over you. It doesn't mean that he's going along and he sees blood. I'm going to skip that house. Doesn't, I'm going to skip that house. I'm going to skip that house. The idea of Passover is that <coughs> as the destroyer is going through the land, he said, I will pass over you. In other words, I will cover you. I will protect you from the destroyer. Isn't that cool? So the idea of the Passover is that Jesus represents the Lamb, is the Lamb of God in that sense. So this prophecy was given 600 years before Jesus. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, the, the cool part about that verse is, <clears throat> it says he took up our infirmities, he lifted them up, he took them, and he placed them on the Lamb of God. Now the reason you don't carry them anymore. Have you sinned lately? Do you, do you know what it's like? I know you do. 
what it's like when you do something wrong and you're convicted about it. It's like, dang it. I feel so bad about that. And you, you, I carried the weight of something for several days recently, and it was just like, gosh, I feel the weight of that. Now, here's the, here's the cool part. Chris, come up here just a second, would you? These are all my sins. Oh, man, they're heavy. <laughs> now, Jesus, as the Lamb of God, it says that he took up our infirmities, and he placed them on Jesus. Ooh, which way am I going? Just, just hold, just hold it. It's, it's not bad. <laughs> now let me ask you a question. If you carry that around for about a week, do you think you'd notice? <laughs> do you think I would notice? Uh-huh. I would really notice because now those sins are not weighing me down anymore. They've been placed on you. That's what it means to be forgiven, is that he not only cleanses us, but he takes our sins and he places them on the Savior, and he's able to handle those better than we are. You can have them back. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can sure tell she's not Jesus. (laughs) She she wanted to give them back to me. (laughs) Okay, let's do It Is Written. You remember It Is Written? It Is Written. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you are redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It is written, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. It is written, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Okay, so if, if it says that he bore our sins in his body on the cross, the implication is that we don't need to carry them anymore. We give them to him. That's an amazing thing. Perfection has come. He's never sinned, but he says here, let me take the weight of your sin from you. And you place the weight of that on him. And we're free as a result of that. So John is saying, look, you guys all came out here to see why all the crowds are gathering. You came out to see if I'm the Messiah. I'm not, but he's right over there. Can you imagine that? They've been waiting for hundreds of years. That's him right over there. He's the one that you've been looking for. Let me introduce you to him. Secondly, Jesus, he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. John 1, beginning verse 32 says, Then John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's probably not too many people in the room who haven't heard of of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, If I say speaking in tongues, then that takes it to a a different level in some of your minds. Uh, 
primarily because of maybe some crazy things that you've heard about happening or seen happening. Gosh, I, I turn on, I don't watch Christian TV, but I turn on this, it doesn't mean they're all bad, but I, I turned on this program the other night because I was curious, and this woman was making an absolute idiot out of herself. And if, if I was somebody who wasn't a Christian, I saw that, that's, is that, is that what being a Christian is? I think, I don't want anything to do with that. And when I was first baptized with the Holy Spirit, I saw some kind of kind of crazy things that happened. And we have to learn to distinguish, you know, what is the Holy Spirit and not. But look in the Bible for examples. If you see somebody doing something, say, well, did, 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 did that happen in the Bible? Yeah. That's not, that's not Jesus. But when you, when you see what the Holy Spirit does in the Bible, it talks about healing, helping people. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. He's a comforter. He's an encourager. Uh, there's all kinds of good things that come with the Holy Spirit. And that's what John is talking about here. He says, he's talking about being immersed, baptized. And when we baptize people in water, the word baptized literally means to immerse. Now, I tell people all the time, listen, if somebody's, you know, got some problems and they can't be immersed, I'll sprinkle them. I mean, I'm... What do I care? It's their heart that counts. I'll, I'll sprinkle them if they can't be immersed. But the, but the word has to do with being immersed because there's such a beautiful picture of you're covered. You've been covered with water. In the case of water baptism, cleanses you from your sin. Your old life is gone. Your new life comes. Baptized with the Holy Spirit means the same thing. It means immersed, not just a little bit doesn't mean you're going to go crazy. My, my oldest daughter, Terry, she was in high school, and, and I, she hadn't been filled with the Spirit yet. So I said, Terry, I said, don't, don't you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? She said, no. I said, really? Well, why not? Come to find out, because in, our, in the church that we were attending at that time, the people would, almost every service, would interrupt the pastor yelling out loud in tongues. She was afraid that if she got filled with the Spirit, she'd be sitting in school, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would come on her and she'd stand up and start screaming in tongues. I wouldn't want to do that either, would you? But as soon as, as, soon as I told her, I said, no, Terry, that's not, that's not what it is. Then, she was, then I prayed for her and she received her prayer language right on the spot. It just means to be immersed, engulfed with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed. Is that clothed? It's like you put clothes on, clothed with power from on high. I was going to bring a blanket this morning, but I said it wouldn't be a real good illustration. It's like you see Jim and then you cover him with a blanket. Now you see the blanket. Baptized with the Holy Spirit means you're immersed. I want more of him and less of me to be seen. So Acts 1, verses 4 through 5 says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, or you'll be immersed, you'll be engulfed, you'll be enveloped with the Holy Spirit. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, one, of the, one of the really interesting things about the day of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit was poured out 
And uh, thousands of people received Jesus. They spoke in tongues. And then Peter stood to preach about it. And, and what he starts preaching about is Jesus. And he concludes by saying, you crucified him. This one who left heaven, came to earth, died for your sins, you crucified him. You crucified the Son of God. So what did they say? They said, brothers, what should we do? I don't want to know. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. So if somebody says to you, no, that's not for today, they don't know what they're talking about. It says, it says in that passage of Scripture, you repent, you're baptized, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promise is for you, and for you, and for you, for all who will call on the name of the Lord our God. So when somebody talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't shy away from that, don't be afraid of that. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that will be a great blessing in your life, and if you'd like to be prayed for, either after the service today or anytime, you, you let one of us know and we'd be glad to, glad to pray for you. So he cleanses us of our sin. John says, let me introduce you to this Lamb of God. He cleanses you from your sin, then he will fill you with his presence. And thirdly, Jesus is the Son of God. Now, this is kind of interesting to me because all of my life, I don't ever remember a time in my life when I didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Whenever we talked about Jesus in, in the church that, that uh, my parents attended, so I, I went with them, they always referred to Jesus as the Son of God. So it was somewhat of a revelation to me when I found out that what that meant was that he was God. Jesus is the Son of God, that's one thing. He's the Son of God, Jesus is God. You think about other religions. People will say, well, why do you favor Christianity over other, other religions? Because Jesus is God. He, he claimed that, others claimed that about him, and he brought evidence to prove that that was, that was, that was the case. So, <clears throat> a couple of passages I could give many, but an invalid was healed, had been an invalid for 38 years, and he was healed on the Sabbath day. And we all know the Pharisees cared more about the Sabbath day than they get a, did a guy being healed. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I, too, am working. For this reason, notice this, for this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That's why they crucified Jesus. One of the reasons, one was political. But this is, he made himself equal with God, so he was blaspheming as far as they were concerned. And then uh, in Luke, when Jesus was on trial, it says, they asked him, are you, the, are you then the Son of God? He replied, you are right in saying I am. Then they said, why do we, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. In other words, he was claiming to be God, and they knew it, they understood it. So that was blasphemy to them. And then Hebrews chapter 1, this is a great, read Hebrews chapter 1, it's a great, great passage. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. 
at, at times, at many times in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In other words, this is God in the flesh. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. That's what God is like. So, I love John because John says, you guys all came out of here to find out who I am? Well, I'll tell you who I'm not. I'm not the Christ. He's standing right over there. Let me introduce him to you. He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. And I love this passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has seen God at any time, but He has explained Him. He has revealed who He is. So you want to know who Jesus is? Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's the one who baptizes the Holy Spirit. And He is the Son of God, which means that He is God in the flesh. Let's close our eyes and pray for just a moment. So Lord, <clears throat> I know everybody in this room has heard about Jesus. Some may have met him or been introduced to him, but I'm not sure how many of us know him. We talk to him. We, we allow him to talk to us. We, we find those moments to be alone and be separate where we can hear that still, small voice, that quiet voice. And Jesus, I for one would say, I want to know you better. I want to know you more deeply. I've known Ginger for a long, long time, and I know every, everything about her. We've talked so much. But if there's a deeper way that I can know her, I want to. And Lord, that's the way I want to know you. And just for each of you where you are, you don't, you don't need to raise your hand if you, if you don't want, but you just say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to be able to recognize your voice. I want to spend time with you. When I see a situation, I want to see that situation through your eyes, not just through my eyes. I want to know you. I want an intimate relationship with you. There may be somebody here this morning who's never been introduced to Jesus. You've never said, yes, I want to meet you. Yes, I want to walk with you. Yes, I want to follow you. I want to, I want to be one of your followers. And if you haven't, I'd like to ask you while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you'd like to begin to follow Jesus today, let's just lift up your head, look at me. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Look at me, and then let me just pray with you that today would be the day that you would begin life of walking with Jesus, knowing him more and more intimately, being introduced to him, knowing him. Is that why you're looking at me? You too? Amen. God bless you. Lord, thank you for these sweet ladies who just now gave their life to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would come upon them by your spirit. Lord, like I took that weight and placed it on Chris instead of me, would you take the weight of their sin from them. Let them be free of the weight of their sin. Lord, let them be baptized with the Holy Spirit today. 
be overwhelmed, enveloped with your spirit and your presence. Guide them, lead them, help them to walk with you, Lord, and protect and watch over them. Pass over them, Lord, protect them from the devourer. We give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and worship the Lord.